Good morning, good morning. This is me and my wife for this week's Led by the Word. Um, 2 Kings chapter 3 and chapter 4. Really not covering a lot of ground as far as chapter numbers, but one of these chapters is big. It is. And both chapters cover a ton. Mm -hmm. And it's all stuff I, I see directly how we could use in our lives today. So first thing starting out, this is 2023. We're in January the 5th now. Yes. Wow. So get you this. Start your year off outright. Um, everybody's doing these self checks like what how am I doing in my health how am I doing in my finances and they're setting their goals and they're setting their plans for the year do a spiritual checklist go through your life look through this and it shows you how we can line up with the word how we can line up with God and what's so cool about this we've got thousands of these these are 100 percent free and we send them out everywhere so I challenge you if you would like some like one of these we'll have a little link you can click that and you fill out a simple like a three thing form and that will be sent to you either same business day or next business day. If you like habit trackers, I think you would definitely like the spiritual checklist because it's basically a very simple habit tracker. But, you know, for your spirit, man, it's good. I love it. Yeah. Uh, this is actually a, one of our resources I'm most passionate about. I really, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Okay, we're starting out. Jesse, I'm going to let you hit us up here in Chapter 3, run us through some of this. Okay, well, just to kind of do a little in last week's episode... Um, Ahab's son passed away. So now we're moving on to Jeroham. Jeroham, if I may say that correctly. So he is the son of Ahab. So he begins to reign over Israel, okay, after the death of his brother. And I do find it interesting that, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but in verse 2, it does say he did evil on the side of the Lord, but it wasn't like the evil of his mother and father. He actually put away Baal. Now, at the time of his death, death, if I could skip ahead a little bit, there were still priests of Baal, but he himself put away Baal, which I find interesting, and I couldn't find a commentary on why that was, that he particularly did that, but I do find it interesting. I don't know if it was kind of that situation where he's like, well, that didn't work. That was That's, <laughs> that's not working for me, but he did still cling to evil and sin, so it reminded me of that scripture, you know, there is a way that seemed right to a man, and I feel like he kind of fell into that. And Elisha was not impressed. No, he he was not. I do have that in my <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Like, Elisha was not like, oh, wow, you've done this great thing. So after King Ahab died, and I'm sure you guys have noticed this pattern. When kings die, a lot of times people think, oh, the kingdom is weak. Now is the time to overtake the kingdom. Like, let's start a fight. Let's, let's go to war. And that's kind of what they did. King of Moab was like, oh, Ahab's dead. Let's go to battle. Let's, like, overtake it. So, of course, um, Jehoram is like, please no. So he calls on the king of, I think it was Edom, and also the king of Judah, which at this time was Jehoshaphat, I believe. And he's like, will you go to battle with me? And they were like, sure. So they, like most people, sought counsel. So he said, I need to seek counsel of Elisha. So they go to Elisha, and I love how Elisha just straight up calls them out in verse 13. Again, this is chapter 3. It says, and Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with thee? Get thee to thy prophets of thy father, and to the prophets of thy mother. And the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the house of Moab. And I love Elisha's response here. This is verse 14. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, surely, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, 
I would not look toward thee, nor see thee. So the only reason that they even got an audience with Elisha, or Elisha even merited the request, was because of the favor he felt with Jehoshaphat, like those good feelings towards him. Because Jehoshaphat was not evil. He was doing, you know, in the list of good kings, bad kings, he was on the good side. And Elisha just straight up tells him, like, I don't like y'all. And if Jehoshaphat wasn't here, I would not give y'all the time of day. Like, he was very blunt with them. So he gives them instructions. I don't know if you have notes on that and want to go into it. About digging the ditches. So, uh, can, I, can I talk about this a yeah, moment? I'd love to. So, they come up to a desert and they're bringing their cattle. So, they're bringing their meat to eat. They're bringing their workers. They're bringing their warriors and they're going to go attack this place. Three kingdoms Judah, Israel, and Edom, and the three kings. And now they're in a desert. Mm-hmm. So, Elisha says, verse 16, and thus say the Lord God, before we get into this, I got to touch on something. Elisha comes up to him and pretty much says, I, I can't get a word for you. You need a musician. Mm hmm. And that, that really struck, struck me. And I was like, well, why does he need a musician? Elisha first off recognized he does not want to tell these men anything in the flesh. And then second off, he says, I need music to help my spirit. Mm-hmm. So he says, we need to bring in some musicians. Let me meditate. Let me pray. Let me worship. Let me get in tune with God. And then I'm going to give you a word. So if you're at church and you're like, why do we have music first? You got to get the pastor tuned and you got to get yourself tuned. You got to get that spiritual mindset. We're we're not just flesh bodies. We are a spirit man. And Elisha Elisha understands that. He says, "I just can't go and start talking. Mm-hmm. I just can't go and say maybe God'll do it because then he could become a false prophet." He says, "I got to I got to get directly in tune with the Holy Spirit. I got to get directly in tune with God before I open my mouth." So in verse 16, they're looking out at this desert and hear me out. These dudes are thirsty. Mm-hmm. These dudes are dehydrated, and these dudes are in the hot, hot sun. Well, they took the long way. It says, they basically. took the long way. So, yeah. And you'll see this. God doesn't, if you're in a place where you're like, I'm praying for something, but it hasn't been given to me. God loves to stretch faith. Yes. And I mean, I got this rubber band on right now. You may think this is comfortable faith, but God says, I want to take this faith and I want to stretch it. I want to put you in a situation to where you are literally going to have to give up all of your leadways, all of your ropes, all of your safety nets. You're going to have to stretch this. He says, I want you to go out in this desert. Now, God could have watered them any way he wanted. Sure. He says, I want you to go out in the desert and take all the men and turn this into a valley of ditches. If they dug this and there was no water, they'd all died. Right, yeah. So these guys, they turn a valley of desert and they dig and they dig and they dig. They turn the whole... like. This uh, terminology isn't used loosely. They turned the whole thing, verse 16, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, ye shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water, that ye may drink both ye and your cattle and your beasts. But this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites into your hand. Mm -hmm. And he tells him, before I give you your enemy, before I give you your victory, i got to stretch your faith. And he says, I'm sick of you people doing everything yourself. Right now, I'm going to put you in a situation to where it has to be me. And we see this. I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but we see this in the next chapter. God takes these great men and women, and we put it in our mind, if I can get to this pastor, if I can get to my Elisha Mm -hmm. in my life. Can I tell you what your Elisha is going to do as a great man of God, as a great woman of God? They're going to listen to God, and they're going to direct you in a place where your faith has to be stretched. It's not, this isn't just a place, uh, Kara got so blessed the other day. She went up to one of those claw machines and someone left a bunch of money in it. 
And she, she won multiple things over and over. But our prayer isn't a claw machine where we go up, we put a quarter in, and we say, okay, now I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I'm guaranteed to get something in return. Mm -hmm. God can do anything. It says this is a small thing to water all these people. But God wanted them to realize you have to be in a situation where I am your only answer. And that's all God wants from us. He's sick of us looking for ways out. He's sick of us having second opportunities, second choices. It, well, if God doesn't work out. I'll do this. If it doesn't work out here, I'll go here. If it doesn't work out in this situation, God wants to be your first and only choice. And I love the terminology in verse 13. It is but a light thing. I mean, and this was a huge miracle. The ditches filled up with water with no rain. Like, that's miraculous. And they're like, "Tis a light thing. It's like, what? Like, there is nothing too big for the Lord. And as we get into chapter 4, you'll see it's just miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And these are just light things. Like, the Lord performs all these, like, miraculous events. It's like, ah, because if you think about it, these three kings, they really should have perished to the king of Moab. Logically, physically, it just makes sense. They were dehydrated. Like, this all started because of a thirst, right? And so this water ends up being basically their salvation. Um, I don't know if you have the technical terminology for all the how they won the battle, but basically, okay, so the sun reflected from the ditch, and they thought it was blood, so they were like, oh, they, they the kings slew each other, because that's not uncommon, you know? So they go down, and they got whooped. Like, they got massacred. It got so bad. Now, this is, this is the sad part. So King of Moab, he's out there with his son, and he sees the battle is not going very well. So he offers up his son, his son, like his heir. This is what should have been the most precious thing to him. This was the future king of Moab. He sacrificed everything for a lost cause. And it, to me, I'm like, how many times do we do that in the flesh? Are we trying to sacrifice everything the Lord's given us for just a lost cause, you know? And I understand in this situation, it was desperate. It was, you know, intense, but he took the very thing that he should have been so protective of and he just offered it up. And there was, and of course he lost. And, you know, his son was dead. And I just, that really broke my heart when I read that. I was like, this young man died for nothing, you know, over nothing. And then he says, I want my 700 best men. We're just going to charge and kill the king of Edom. Which, by the way, I, I may just be lacking and I may be ahead. What's the king of Edom's name? Yeah, I d could not find it. I don't think it's listed, in, at least in this. Okay, it may be like we go forward and it'll have the name for back. Um so he's like, we're going to charge. That doesn't work out either. And you see over and over when God, God's small thing mm -hmm. literally changes the entire kingdom of Israel, of Judah and of Edom. Right. And I feel like he also went in his own, you know, not by his own might, quote unquote, like he did. He was like, yeah, we'll just take 700 of the best and we'll just go in at it. And of course, when that didn't work, then he ended up sacrificing his son and they had a very bitter end. So... I think, you know, when we're thinking about the things that the Lord's given us, I think we need to be careful, cherish, you know, not just be like, I'm going to sacrifice my anointing to sing whatever I want to sing. You know, I'm going to sacrifice my gift of discernment to be the most judgmental person on earth. Like, you know, just stop, wait, what are we doing? You know, we have these gifts from the Lord. We need not sacrifice them to not. Amen. And, and um, we're going to see again. So now we're in chapter four. Elisha gets word from this lady. Mm -hmm. And let me just read you. Uh, she, the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be slaves. How this works back then, this woman is a widow of one of the sons of the past prophet. Mm -hmm. So when you have debts and no means to pay them in the legal system of Israel, you're not allowed to declare bankruptcy. So they come and they take your children. 
So they use them as slaves. So this is how this is going to work. This is what she's facing. This is the fear that's consuming her. But luckily, now hear me out. Luckily, there has been a drought. Right. And because of this drought, there is a huge supply and demand. The Bible talks about it. We live in it now when there's more supply for gasoline. And I mean, when there's less supply for gasoline, there's more demand. Gas goes up. Right, right now, we're, we've come through a drought. Oil is worth a lot of money. So he tells her, go borrow you a bunch of vessels. She's like, okay, I can borrow vessels of oil. So she goes to all the neighbors and gets vessels. And he says, I want you to take your oil and pour it into those. Mm -hmm. And you see again, I'm taking this band off. Uh, God has taken her and he's stretching her faith. Because right now she's thinking, I'm going to lose this. Mm -hmm. I've already lost everything. I was told you fix my problems. <laughs> Talk a little bit about this situation. Yes, and I actually, I love the wording that is used here. Um, I, so she's worried, you know, that her two sons are going to be bondmen, right, to satisfy this debt. And, of course, I see the reflection of Christ in this. You know, there was a debt only he could pay, right? So he asked her in verse 2, this is Elisha speaking to the woman. He said, And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? And she said, Tell me, what hast, or, what hast thou in the house? And she said... Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. So she only had this, you know, I have nothing but a pot of oil. And it's so funny in a like ironic kind of way how the Lord will take your, I have nothing but this. You're nothing but, and your nothing but is your very deliverance. If I could read a little bit ahead here. Yeah. So... She went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. Right? Like, all of these are filled with oil. I need another one. Like, chop, chop. Let's go. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God. And she, he said, Go sell the oil and pay thy debt, and, thou, and live thou and thy children of the rest. So I love that her, I have nothing but a pot of oil was their very salvation. It cleared their debt. It was everything. I mean, it turned their whole life situation around. And I was thinking about how in our lives we have, oh, I have nothing but this. I have nothing but that. I have nothing but a prayer. I mean, prayer is the most powerful force you have. Like, Man. your nothing but is could be your very key to a breakthrough. Uh, and we get a lot of people that say, well, I don't get out much. I don't do things. I don't have opportunities for outreach. You have social media. That's right. And you have an opportunity setting right in front of you to help change this world. Here's something I want to touch on. Uh, read those last two verses again. Six and seven? Yes. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then, oh, sorry. So Elisha doesn't say get three vessels. He doesn't say get 30 vessels. He says go borrow vessels. Mm -hmm. And I want you to see this. God has no limitation. Do you believe that? Amen. There is no limitation to God. The only limitation in this woman's life is her work and her faith. Mm. She was like, oh my goodness, I need more vessels. But her son's like, you got to stop because this is all the faith you had. Mm. If she, hear me out, if she went and got another hundred vessels, she would have been a millionaire in this time. Right. And what limited her, the only thing that limited her was her work, work ethic mm -hmm. and her faith. Mm. So when God gives you a spiritual blessing, a spiritual outpour and a gift of healing, a gift of something that is fully limitless other than the limits you put on it. Because Elisha, Elisha is a working man. 
Elisha's a fighting man. Elisha's a go-getter. He's also a smart He's a tough dude. He could have went and said, I'm going to go grab the vessels. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take care of this. And done all this for her. And, and then been like, look what I did. I care for you. I love you. Not even being prideful, just being a good guy to the widow and what she's going through. But instead, he understood she had to stretch her faith and let her see in herself, this is the limit I put on stuff. So I, I want to encourage you, if God's given you a gift, if God's given you a blessing, if God's given you uh, an ability in prayer, and you're like, man, I've seen this much outcome of prayer in 2022, that's only because that's how much you prayed. That's right. And you're like, I saw this much change of laying on hands. That's only because that's how many hands you laid on. Mm-hmm. Because God can use you as much of work ethic as you're willing to work. And we see that here with this lady. When God gives us a gift, when God gives us an anointing, it's part of him. And there is no limitations to him. That's right. No limits in God, but what we place on him. Amen. So I want you to go forward this week. And I want you to stretch your faith. I want you to look at yourself. I want you to look at the gifts God's given. And I don't want you to, like Jesse said, I don't want you to look at these things and say, I have but this. Throw that away. That is a direct lie from the enemy that... You have no need for that in the kingdom. Quit saying, I have only this. Say, I have this, God, and I give it to you. Mm -hmm. God, I freely give this to you in faith. It doesn't feel like much to me, but God, whatever you want to do with this, I'm going to stretch my faith. I'm going to give this to you. I've used this a bunch today. Let's talk about this. Tell us what we got here. Show them yours. So we've been calling these our prayer bands. um, And what they are is they're just a kind of memento, a reminder when you look down. We have these little, they're the size of business cards, and we write down five names, I believe it is, of people. It's mostly salvation um, or just a deeper walk with the Lord. People you really have on your heart. A lot of people put their family members that are unsaved. And so when you look at this bracelet, you can think of those five people in your life and just say a quick prayer and just keep them constantly before you in your face. Because I know that all of us have unsaved loved ones, Um, but sometimes we get so busy even doing just the work of the Lord, doing good things that we kind of, it slips, you know, and then at night we're like, oh, also, please save my dad or what have you. But this just kind of keeps it right in your face. You know, every time I wash my hands, I have to like move this around and wash. So it just right there, boom, boom, in your face, reminder to pray. And you'll, starting this, something that was really sad, I realized how little I prayed for him versus how much I'm praying for him now. So convicting. Yeah, super convicting. So these are also free. If you want more than one, I think they're two bucks. I don't know. They're on the website. Chloe will put that in the uh, description, and Mitch will have that on the screen for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Please take a moment and like this and share this if it's touched your life. Thank you, and God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for joining Anthony Wynn Ministries. If you'd like to see more, join us for our Miracle Night Prayer Service. Miracle Night happens every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we join together in prayer and watch God move. If you'd like to participate in Miracle Night or join us for our other projects, you can follow us at Oasis Ministries on Facebook or follow us at Anthony Wynn on YouTube. We also want to say a special thank you to our partners of Anthony Wynn Ministries. Your gifts make it possible to give free ministry material to those in need. If you aren't already a partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. You can become a partner through our website, at anthonywin.org or calling 1-877-226-4088. And lastly, if you ever need prayer, please call us at 1-877-226-4088 or go to our website at anthonywin.org. Thank you and God bless.